and it's built into our DNA. It's built into our biology for us as human beings to gravitate toward the negative, to gravitate toward the chaos, to gravitate toward the amplified message that life is trouble, that life is dark, that life is violent, that life is dangerous. And what's interesting about that is coupled with the message that you're in danger, that there's a high threat, is the cure. This idea that even though life is scary, the world is a dangerous place, we have a solution for you. We have a way for you to medicate your way out of the pain, a way for you to ignore the darkness that is outside your door. That's the message that mainstream media, big tech, social media, all this, you know, kind of, you know, agenda driven entities, all of those entities are trying to get you to pay attention to the negative and then reinforce the cure. So it's no wonder that as a society, as, as the human race, we've gotten more and more addicted to feeling better and placating the pain. Now, if you ever doubt this, next time you're stuck in traffic, come to a stoplight, you're in your car, look to your left, look to your right, look in your rearview mirror, and notice what the people around you are immediately doing. Notice what they're doing. They're going to be head down in their phone, more, more than likely. Because in that time where they're not focused on driving the car, to sit idle with their thoughts is too painful for, too many, for so many people right? You can see it when you're standing in line at the grocery store, in the bank, air tra- uh, the airport, whatever, wherever you might be, just notice how often, how immediate people go to their phones for that dis- disconnect, to unplug. It's crazy. You could literally, you've probably seen this, there's a video floating around, you can take a look at it, uh, of people playing with a ball, you know, like a big red ball, they're kind of bouncing it back and forth. And in the, the video, you're supposed to follow the ball, follow the ball, don't take your eye off the ball. And then a person in a gorilla suit walks through the scene. And most people don't see the gorilla. Now, I just kind of gave you the spoiler alert so that if you ever go search for this video, of course, you'll be looking for the gorilla and not the ball. But here's the crazy part. Without that knowledge going into the video, you would watch the ball and you'd probably miss the gorilla. And that is quite literally what people are doing. That is the exact behavior that they're taking on when they consume a distraction on a high level, almost on a constant level. And what is causing that? You know, it's one thing to say, well, listen, you know, I've got to keep up with my texts. I got to keep up with my emails. I got to keep up with my thread on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, because heaven forbid, I don't respond in time. By the way, as leaders, doesn't it feel like that sometimes? Like the world is demanding so much of you that you really can't take your eye off the ball. That you don't have the luxury of just a few minutes alone with your thoughts to just be present because you've got to be there for other people. The burden of leadership, the demand of leadership, it calls for broad shoulders and a strong back. It calls for bright eyes and an open mind, but If we give too much of ourselves and we ignore what's truly at the core, pretty soon we're not going to have anything left. When you hear about leaders burning out, 
when you hear about people losing focus. In fact, the whole one of the most important things that 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 inspired me to start True Driven was because I knew there were so many driven leaders out there that were feeling exactly what we're talking about today. They were feeling disenfranchised because society is telling them, hey, you're, you want too much. You're too greedy because you have these big goals, these big lofty ambitions, and that's, that's not okay. That makes you greedy. That makes you wrong. That makes you bad. We want you to stay down here with us in the mediocrity because if you rise above us, then that reflects our own weakness, our own lack of ambition. And we can't live with that. So as a society, we want to create this environment that keeps you down here with us. And that feeling of being disenfranchised for a lot of true drivens is frustrating because the sense is, well, you know, I know, in, you know, inherently inside my soul that I want more for myself, but to push for that almost becomes an amplified sense of pain. Amplified by this notion that the world around you, society, in fact, in many cases, the people that you love want to keep you safe. They want to keep you where you're at. So that was one of the main drivers for me creating True Driven. Another part of it was True Driven sometimes have spent an entire lifetime driven, grinding, pushing, and now they feel a little bit lost. They feel like the tank is empty or approaching And what's interesting about that is it's a very great piece of self-awareness, but it's also a critical time for True Drivens to do something about that moment, to do something about that sensation where they feel depleted, they feel lost, or maybe even feel completely off their original path. I've lost myself. I've lost my way is a lot of times what they tell me. So, What is that and how do we recover from that? Well, that's a big conversation and it's not going to be necessarily uncovered or solved in one podcast episode. But what I can tell you is this. There's a very important aspect that all of us in society need, but specifically true driven leaders require. And that is the ability to not turn away from, to not medicate away and to not ignore our pain but to actually look at it, to lean into it, and to allow that pain to become center in our focus, center in our being. So what does that mean? It's interesting because we have so many options, as I was saying at the top of the podcast, to placate the pain, to medicate the pain, to numb the pain. And right now, we're in a lot of pain. All of us are. And we're told and we're made to believe that pain is bad. That suffering is somehow a negative. But what you'll hear me say quite a bit on this podcast is that success is on the other side of suffering. Sometimes you have to go through, and I'm not saying you got to be like in constant agonizing pain, but this sense that the minute you feel uncomfortable, the minute you feel frightened, the minute you feel any kind of sense of pain, overwhelm, or anything else, all of a sudden, we're programmed to feel that we've got to, quote, feel good, or at the very least, feel better. And what's interesting about it is oftentimes, the cure is even worse than what is creating the symptom in the first place. 
This idea that we always have to be medicated is dumbing us down. This idea that we always have to numb the pain is causing us to become brain dead zombies. Truly the walking dead. Walking around, absorbed, self-absorbed, but at least completely hypnotized by that glowing rectangle in your hand. My challenge to you is to lean into the pain and to actually see the pain for what it is. And that's this. Pain is the pathway. Pain is the pathway to not just a better life, better performance, and all this kind of stuff that we talk about in the high-performance world, but more importantly, pain is the pathway to you truly seeing your deepest value, and in some cases, some of the most important parts of who you are and what makes you who you are. What's crazy about this is this idea that if we are in pain, somehow that's wrong, somehow that's bad. Now, again, I want to be perfectly clear on this. I'm not saying that you have to be in constant, nonstop pain. It doesn't mean you go into self-inflicted pain. I'm not talking about that. And by the way, when we talk about pain, what are we really talking about? Because if you think about it, pain is multidimensional. We can feel it in different ways. We feel it physically in any kind of part of our body. We feel it mentally. We feel it emotionally. We can feel it spiritually. We can feel it in different aspects of this thing we call the human existence, the human experience. In fact, human beings are very unique members of the animal kingdom in the sense that we can experience pain much more differently, much more uh, with much more variety, and probably in some cases much more intensity than any other member of the animal kingdom. Most animals don't want, they don't have the ego, you know, animals don't have ego, but most animals, they, they want things based on their in the, the, the actual drive. Like, I'm hungry, or I need to mate. I need to find a way out of the weather. But beyond that, they're kind of driven past, you know, just it's mostly animal instinct that is driving them to find those things. It's not because they aspire for better. They're not trying to get to the next rung in their career. They're not trying to find the most beautiful mate so that they have that, you know, outward acceptance from the rest of the world. They're not trying to find a better cave. They're not trying to find a better way of life. They're simply trying to find what they need so they can survive. But humans, we're different. And what makes us different makes us amazing. But we have to be careful of that double-edged sword because the other side of that sword, the other side of that blade can cut just as deeply as the one facing away from us. If we are too driven, and if we try to mask the pain or even compartmentalize it for too long, it can actually haunt us. It can make us sick. It can break us down. It can actually decrease our performance to a point where we become a liability. And as a true driven, you know that's not an option. So, what do we need to do about this? Well, with physical pain, obviously, there's just some aspects of that where you have to numb it out. I remember, man, it was almost 20 years ago. I tore my ACL, my anterior cruciate ligament in my left knee. That's a pretty painful injury if you've ever had one. Most, you know, if any athlete's been through that, any person, period, has been through it, you know, it's a pretty intense pain. It's just this, you know, thick band of, of ligament inside your knee. It's resp- responsible for keeping your knee uh, stabilized. So if you do any kind of cutting sports, playing basketball, playing tennis, running, any of that kind of stuff, skiing, you're going to need 
that piece inside your knee to keep your knee nice and stable. Well, when it tears, it's super painful, like intense, sharp, immediate pain. It's not one of those things where you get punched once in the arm and you're like, ah, that kind of hurts, not too bad. Punched again, punched again, punched again. And then over time, it hurts. We're talking immediate, sharp, intense, all attention pain. So there's a part of that where you kind of do need just a little bit, no matter how high your pain threshold is, you need a little bit of pain relief. And then, of course, the post-surgery piece, which I went through, they rebuilt the knee. You definitely need painkillers there. But what's interesting is most people don't allow themselves to feel any kind of sense of pain because we have this fear of suffering. The fear of suffering keeps more people stuck, keeps more people in their comfort zone than even the fear of failure. Because the fear of suffering is likely going to happen before and after any concept of failure. If you think about it, think about it this way. Let's say that you have something big you want to you want to attain. Maybe it's starting that business. Maybe it's writing that book. Maybe it's asking that dream person out on the date. The idea behind success feels great, but to break yourself free of the current inertia that you're in means you have to change. And the concept of change is terrifying because that means we have to break who we are right now on some small level. It's kind of like breaking down muscle when you work out. You work out, you tear the muscle slightly so that it can rebuild itself bigger and stronger. Well, it's the same concept with our character. It's the same concept with who we are when we go to do something bigger than we are right now. Start the business, write the book, do whatever the thing is. That ambition that drives us causes you to make peace with or at least come to reality, come to terms with the fact that you are going to have to change who you are right now. Because the reality is, if you were, like, who you are right now matched up with the thing you want, then you'd already have the thing you want. You'd already have the million bucks. You'd already have the best-selling book. You'd already have the dream date or whoever that mate is. So now it means we have to break free of who we currently are. And this is something that goes on in the back of our minds. It's the pain. It's the fear of knowing we're going to have to sacrifice. We're likely going to have to suffer a little bit. We're going to have to suffer through those long nights as we launch the business. We're going to have to suffer through rewrite after rewrite, criticism after criticism with the book, the manuscript. We're going to have to suffer through the agony of will they say yes or will they say no? The agony of the relationship growing and each person learning each each other in the relationship. The concept of suffering keeps a lot of people stuck keeps most people from really going after what they were meant to do, from achieving their truest potential. That fear of suffering is enough to keep you absolutely stapled to the floor. So the question then becomes, what is it you're really avoiding? It is that concept of pain, perceived pain. And then, of course, the idea is, well, what if I fail? That's super painful. That's a more intense sense of pain imagined in the mind, isn't it? Well, if I I'm afraid of suffering. I'm afraid of the pain of failure. But then what happens after the failure? The loss of money, the loss of time, the loss of status, the broken heart. And that, again, sounds a lot like suffering. So it's this imagined suffering. It's this imagined pain. It's the fear that's holding us back. 
And it's not enough to just simply say fear. We got to get clear on what style of fear, what, what layer of fear that is. And if we can start to say to ourselves, listen, I don't have to feel good all the time. I can feel better. But what if you actually felt better through the act of suffering, through the act of risking? That might be the most important epiphany you can have if you find yourself in a position where you feel flat, where you feel like you've reached the top of your potential. Hey, man, this is as good as it's going to get. It's all downhill from here. You start looking in the rear view mirror of life and saying to yourself, I was that. That was my prime. Man, those were the good old days. It's likely because you've allowed yourself to be wrapped up in the womb of fear, the fear of suffering, the fear of pain. You can break from that cocoon, of course, but it requires you to make make peace with pain and allow pain to be your pathway. So how does this work? How do we actually do it? Step one, you have to recognize what your pain is. Now, it's different for every single person. You might get to a place where you say to yourself, just the idea of being distracted feels better. That goes back to what I was talking about with the people stuck in traffic that are just staring at their phones for nothing. Like they can't sit still for 30 seconds and just sit there in their thoughts. A lot of times people aren't able to do that because the thoughts that come up are terrifying. What if I'm not good enough? What if I don't get the job? What if I lose the job? What if my kid's this? What if my spouse that? So, oh my gosh, immediately I've got to get back into the scroll hole here because that will placate me, that will medicate me, that will soothe me. That will numb me from feeling the pains of life, the pains of reality. Listen, if you're a true driven leader, you don't have fucking time for that. That is amateur bullshit. It's time to grow the fuck up. And here's what's most important about this is you have the ability at any given time to be able to say to yourself with that first step, what is my personal pain? And your personal pain does not need to be justified. Your personal pain does not need to measure up to other people's pain. Just because you see somebody else who's gone through some terrible bullshit in their life, I mean, some horrendous pain and trauma, and you say to yourself, yeah, but my pain is nowhere near there, so who am I to complain? All of a sudden, that's the, that's the slippery slope. That's the entry drug, as we used to say, into feeling like you've got to medicate away that small, little, insignificant insecurity. I'll just pick up my scroll hole and it'll feel me better. I'll start looking at my feed. Oh my gosh, look at that. Another drama-driven headline. Oh boy. Here's the deal, though. If you can get clear on what your personal pain is and make peace with the fact that it's yours and start to recognize that it is part of your story, but it's not part of who you are, then we can actually start to use it. We're walking down the pathway of pain with that very first courageous step by recognizing and making peace with what the pain actually is. After you've recognized what your pain is, the source of it is very important because it's one thing to say, listen, I have a pain around this relationship I had with my parents when I was a child or, you know, something that happened, this awful trauma that happened to me. The pain is one thing, but now the question is, what does it mean to you? That, that second step is, what does it actually mean to you? Because listen, 
you might have been through the most horrible shit in the world and people look to you and say, man, you have a lot of grace around that. You're able to park it. You're able to manage it so well. How do you do it? A lot of times the reason you see people who go through tremendous trauma or really awful shit is because first they did that first step and they got clear on what their pain was. But two, they were able to actually define what it meant to them. The pain itself means something to you. Maybe it means rejection. Maybe it means loss. Maybe it means a window into your insecurities about who you are. Maybe it shows you that you question your value. You've got to get clear, though, on what it means to you and not what you think other, the rest of the world wants to hear. Not what you think, oh, man, I'm, you know, I, I was in a car accident, therefore I'm supposed to have PTSD. That's not what we're talking about. If you were in a car accident and that caused you some pain physically and now emotionally, mentally, get fucking clear on what that represents to you. Was it a loss of trust in your fellow humans because the person ran the red light or was driving drunk? I don't know, but you've got to get crystal clear on what it means because if you can get crystal clear on what it means, you can get to the third step. The first step is recognize what the pain is. Step two is define what it means to you, but step three is to now accept ownership for it. You're part of it. This step is missed by the vast majority of people. Most people walk around identifying as victims. They see themselves as this blind receiver of negativity. As if preordained before they were born, somehow, magically, they were just destined to have a shitty life or to have something shitty happen to them. And in some cases, it might be, it might, you know, it might seem like that. And you know what's fucking crazy is society will keep driving that point home that you are a victim. They'll even say it in the judicial judicial system. If you're in court, let's say you are hit by a drunk driver. They call you the victim of a drunk driving accident. The question is, are you truly a victim or were you on the receiving end of it? No, no, uh, your honor. I'm not a victim. I was hit by a drunk driver. There's a big fucking difference because I don't identify as a victim. I identify as the person who made a choice to leave my house at a certain day and a certain time. I made a choice to go a certain route. I made a choice to take a certain path and just so happened at that very moment, cross paths with the drunk driver. I'm not a victim, but I am on the receiving end of it. I can't accept responsibility for what the drunk driver did for their choices in life, but I'm damn sure not going to let go of my responsibility for what I had as part of this equation. And by the way, by no means am I trying to say to the, say to you that in any given situation, especially if you are, in most cases, termed the victim by the rest of the world, and you're just, you're ready to fucking drop that bullshit. It's not a 50-50 equation, meaning you don't own 50% of the situation. You might only own 10 or 5 or 1% of it. But get to the point where you are willing to stand on your own two feet like a fucking champion, like a victor, and say to yourself, I'm not a victim. I do have a part in this. I allowed this to happen by doing this, this, and this. And when you do that, something fucking amazing is going to happen. You've taken that third step down the path, the, pa- the, the path of the pain. 
you've allowed yourself to go from being a victim to being in your power by saying, now I know how I got myself into this situation. I'm not going to let it happen again. I'm wiser. I'm stronger. I'm better. I'm more capable than I was when the incident happened to me. This is a big fucking difference, my friends. You can take control and power over a situation where you feel powerless just simply by saying, I refuse to be a victim. I am not a victim based on, you know, how tall, how short, my gender, my race, my, my socioeconomic situation. None of that shit defines who I fucking am. And I'm damn sure not a fucking victim. If you can take that and take the reins of that into your hands and not let go, you will be unstoppable. Unstoppable. But this idea to even get to that place of medicating the pain away, ignoring the pain, compartmentalizing the pain for too long, prevents you from ever having the opportunity to break free of the victim mentality. You have to be willing to identify the pain. You have to be willing to assign meaning to it, what it means to you. Not what you think it means to your parents or to your grandparents or to anybody, to society, to your boss, to your spouse, none of that. It has to be what matters to you, what it means to you. Then the next part is to accept your your element of ownership, whatever percentage of that, your portion of it. And by the way, if you're on the other side of the coin, meaning it's not... 80, 20, 95, 5. It's more heavily on your side. It's as important then to take ownership as it ever has been. People sometimes don't want to look into that because it's too painful. They don't want to look into the transgressions of their past, how they wronged people, how they hurt people, because that is too painful to accept. But you know what? It's leadership at its finest. It's exactly what is called for, for a leader. It's that ability to own everything that's yours. It's your ability to own up to the part that you actually are responsible for. And the ability to see that your pain is not a, is, is not a label of shame. It's not something you carry around like the scarlet letter for crying out loud. This is something where you have the ability to actually convert it into something powerful and something useful, which is the fourth step to this. Once you've gotten clear on what the pain is and once you've uh, defined what it means to you and once you've owned it, the next part is you can actually learn from the pain. Oh my gosh, can you imagine how powerful your life would be if you look back at the divorce, at the bankruptcy? at the failed business, at the broken relationships. And instead of looking at it or not looking at it at all, but looking at it with shame and guilt and all these unnecessary, unuseful and really ineffective emotions, we stood tall in our power, owned it and accepted it and stopped being a victim and said, you know what? I learned from this. It doesn't make it right. It doesn't change that it happened but it changes everything after it happened. If you have wronged somebody or been wronged, it's your best chance, your best opportunity to move on 
from that painful situation. When you're able to say, now, what can I learn from this? What about this was a win? And that's a fucking hard thing to do. It takes a lot of courage. It takes courage and it takes vision, which, by the way, are two very elemental pieces to being a true driven leader. The ability to look into the abyss and find something useful from it. It doesn't mean you got to be this Mr. You know, positivity, Miss Positivity, and say to yourself, oh, this is so great. I'm so glad this traumatic, shitty thing happened to me. I'm so glad that I can look back at my transgressions and my shortcomings. This is awesome. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am suggesting is if you can look at the shitty things that have happened in your life, the pain, and find the valuable lessons in it, then you can do some magic things. First, you get to become wiser almost in the moment. It'll be some of the best epiphanies and, you know, kind of light bulb moments of your life simply by saying, okay, great. Now let's actually unpack this. Let's lean into the pain. Let's walk the pain pathway here and see if we can find the valuable lessons in what happened. The next part is, how can I make sure I don't do this again? And then even beyond that is, how can I turn this into a lesson for others? You see, one of the most important parts about leadership is the ability to show other folks the way. Not through your words, but through your actions, through your behavior, through who you are, your character. That essence of everything that makes you the person you really truly are at your core. Not the person, the bullshit, like, facade you're trying to put up. I'm strong. I'm capable. I'm incapable of being hurt. No, no, no. The person who has true vulnerability. The person who has true authenticity. The person who has true courage. And generosity of soul to share their story fully with the world around them. It's an amazing skill, and it takes time. And it's, by the way, it's like a muscle. It's not something that is a set it and forget it, and you're good for the rest of your life. It's something we have to work on every single day as leaders. If we run from the pain, it's very hard to grow from the pain. If we ignore what's happened, it doesn't ever really go away. It's still there, packed away in the darkness. But it's interesting. Carl Jung called it the shadow, the shadow self. It's that part of us that we have, every single one of us. You might find the most wholesome, loving, happy, gentle person on the planet. Think of who that person might be for you. Even they have a part of themselves called the shadow that's comprised of some pretty dark, possibly disturbing shit. So if it's possible for them, how come it's not possible for you? You're just as worthy. You're just as worthy to have an element of yourself that you may not necessarily want to show the rest of the world. And what's interesting is in the True Driven program, I call it the nemesis effect. And really, I won't go into it here, but the nemesis effect is the ability for you to find those elements of your personality, of your character, of your soul, 
that they're part of who you are that sometimes you want to bury because you think I'm going to be judged by other people as negative or dark or somehow, you know, possibly somebody to, to be afraid of. And I can tell you this right now, if you avoid the darkness, it will come back, it will come back, it will come back, it will pester you until you acknowledge it. It's just like the thing, the the same element of working with your pain. The pain is the pathway. The more you try to medicate it and numb it and push it away, the stronger it becomes. It's not going anywhere. So you have to first and foremost acknowledge what your pain is. Where did it come from? What was the source? What happened? Two is not just the pain, but what it means to you. Three, what were your lessons learned? And four, how can you translate to other people? One exercise I give people sometimes is think of it as if I had you on this podcast as a, as a guest and I was going to interview you. You can do this for yourself anytime. So if you're working with a pain or if you want to become more familiar with pain and use pain as the pathway to your next level of performance, your next level of leadership, here's how it works. You simply act like you're interviewing yourself. It's a really simple question. So what happened? You can write the question out on a piece of paper if you want. So what happened? And then give yourself the ability without fear of consequence, without fear of judgment of others, and specifically without fear of judgment of yourself to just put down what happened in your words. Once you're done with that, the next part is, what did that mean to you? That would be the second question. And then you write out what that meant to you. Hey, it meant this. It meant you know, that, that the people I trusted let me down. It meant that all of a sudden, everything I thought that was safe got turned upside down. You get to fill in the gaps there of what it meant to you. What I would ask you next is, so what happened next? And that's the question of what did you learn from this? How did you apply this experience to the rest of your life? You may not like the answer that follows because to this point, maybe you ignored it. Maybe you allowed it to reinforce this idea that you're a victim. Maybe you treated it ineffectively, and that's okay. But here's the cool part. This is where we get to interrupt and intercept that thought process and really that belief pattern. Instead of seeing yourself as a victim, now we can say, in the past, like after this happened, I lived the next 15, 20 years of my life as a victim, thinking X, Y, and Z about myself. But now I see myself as a strong, capable, true, driven. So what I'm doing now is this. That's your lesson learned, and that's the question, the answer to the question of what happened next. The cool part is you don't have to have everything figured out. Fuck, I don't have everything figured out. I'm doing the best I can by sharing what I've learned through my life. But I can only share what I know based on what I've experienced, just like you. So don't give yourself this pressure that you have to have it all figured out either. Simply show up with the best you got. And if you look in the past, you look at your pain, you figure out what it meant to you. And then, and then you figure out, okay, what were the lessons learned? You're like, I really don't like what I'm seeing here. The question then becomes, can you rewrite this? Are you prepared and ready to rewrite that story? Rewrite the next chapter where you stand tall as a winner, not as a victim. That's the exciting shit. That's the difference. And that's what this world needs more of, is people who are willing to strip the identity of being a victim, that are willing to actually stop medicating themselves 
Stop subduing their emotions. Stop ignoring their pain and walk the pathway of pain because pain is the pathway. That takes fucking courage. And then it takes the generosity of soul to go through the lesson learning process and turn around and share it with others. You as a leader, my friend, not only have that responsibility, but you have that ability. It's time to start leaning into that. It's, start, it's time to start recognizing that, owning that, and allowing it to be part of who you are as a leader. Now, I'm not going to say it's easy. Far from. I won't promise you that this will be the most exciting thing you've ever done in your life, but it very well might be. What I can tell you is that it will be some of the most important work you do. And here's the little bonus part. Number five. You don't have to do it alone. If you need support working through trauma, if you need support working through pain, if you need support working through the darkness, it is okay to ask for help. It's one of the most important aspects of leadership, one of the surest signs of a strong, capable leader is to know when you've hit your limits. Because your limits aren't set. They're just where they are right now. You might find that your limits aren't as far as you wish them to be, that you have to ask for help more often and sooner than you would rather ask for it. But that's okay. The more you get used to asking for help and receiving it, actually really openly receiving it, implementing it, and putting it to action in your life, that's when you will absolutely start to grow and push those, those limits outward and start to expand your capabilities. Because that, that fifth step is so important. It really does come down to the ability to ask for help, receive that help, and be okay with what happens. Be okay admitting that you don't have it all figured out. Be willing to admit that it does require strength to admit when you're feeling less than strong. It's not weakness. It is vulnerability. But vulnerability is strength. Staying stuck in the weakness is not okay. Identifying as a victim is not okay. But that doesn't make you a victim when you say, I can't figure this out or that I need the help. It simply means that you're at that place where you've reached the limits of your current capabilities. Now let's find a way to stretch those. And sometimes it takes asking for help. I don't care if it's through therapy. I don't care if it's through a coach, a mentor, whoever that might be. The point is this. You've got to find somebody who's at or beyond your skill level in that area and have them be, be open enough with them and, and generous enough to share fully with them what you're working with so that they can give you their best but then you also have to be open to receiving it, recognizing that you are worthy of the help, worthy of the support. Because there's a lot of people counting on you, but you don't have to do it alone. And when you do learn and when you do grow, it helps you be a better version of yourself. It helps you show up and be the leader you were meant to be and help the people around you, no matter how big or how small that group might be. It's not insignificant. 
It's very, very important. The work that you're doing as a leader requires you to lean into the pain, to see it for what it's worth, a valuable asset and possibly one of the most important aspects of your life and your leadership. It's not easy. It's not fun. But man, is it worth it. And it's never ending. But you've got this. You're totally capable of doing this. And you've got to do this work, especially now. Probably the most important work that you can do. And it begins right here, right now, today. So take those steps. Get clear on what your pain is. Stop running from it. Stop trying to medicate it. Stop trying to soothe it. Stop trying to numb it. Find out what that means to you that pain, discover what the lessons are learned. Even if you look back and you're like, I'm not crazy about the way I handled it at first, but here's what I've learned since leaning into and looking into that darkness. Find out what those lessons are and then have that generosity to share it with other people. Share it with the people you lead. Share it with the people who listen to you because there's quite a few of them. And, of course, the bonus step, if you need it, always ask for help in those moments where you feel like you've reached the ends of your limits. You feel like you've reached the edges of your capabilities. It's 100% okay to push yourself past those, and it's also okay to ask for help. You got this, my friend. Now it's time to go out and walk the path because pain is the pathway, and you have the strength to walk it and to survive it and to come out stronger, better, and more capable. Thank you for listening, and as always, make sure you're checking us out on Spotify. Make sure you're checking us out on Apple Podcasts or YouTube. Subscribe to us, turn on notifications, and share this message with people you think need to hear it most. And remember, no matter what course you fly in life, fly high, fly fast, fly far, stay driven.